0: Everybody, welcome back oh, into Talk Off.
1: Volume really loud in my eardrum. Alright bro, jeez man, I just tried to have a little enthusiasm for the people. I've been listening to the episodes, I don't sound super enthusiastic. Sometimes on my intros I tried to get a little better. Excuse the shit out of me. It was just really loud, I'm sorry. I love the enthusiasm, it was just nope, really loud. Nope, nope, yeah, so we're getting a non-enthusiastic podcast today. Hello everybody, it is Tuesday, June 13th we are back for another episode of the talk off i'm just kidding Daz can't kill my mojo we're back for another episode of the talk off june 13th how's everybody doing i hate jake lovato because he moved back to colorado i miss when he was home jake how was the trip home was it sad
0: it was sad yeah um didn't you sit first class Te- I mean JetBlue technically doesn't have first class but I bought the most expensive ticket yeah Oh
1: yeah Is JetBlue that, Mint Would you say business class?
0: I think it will it's technically called even more space. It wasn't ah. so it's, I don't even know I don't know.
1: You but, just had a lot of space. Yeah, how much
2: it leg was, room it was did you nice have? Could you cross could room. you cross your leg?
0: Oh yeah, easy. Could oh, you walk
1: if you were on the window could you get to the aisle without bothering other people?
0: No, I wasn't that much leg room.
1: that would be an insane amount the best part of it
0: was at like when the flight finished I was the literal I think third person off the plane
1: I didn't even think about that but that was totally the best part part I, I like
0: forgot about that too
1: the worst part about planes is that it parks and everybody's like, let's all stand up at the exact same time and just stand here. Like, morons. I
2: never stand. I'm just like, um, me neither. I, I just always look at sweat, the sweat around on me. planes too. I always just sweat because it's that warm, like, gross. It's that fake cool air that they blow on you. It's that's so essentially stupid. just warm air at like such a high level of like blowing at you that it fe- starts to feel a little cold. And All I'm saying is, I start is, to is, sweat, and I don't, I'm not—I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to stand up and start sweating if I'm just going to sit here and wait for everyone to get off
1: the plane. I agree. I'm telling you, dude, it's fucking 2023. We need to figure out how to make flying better. Like it, it, it I feel like it hasn't gotten any better. The I only mean, how thing much better that could get—I don't know—but it could get better. Any everything could get better. It could get better.
2: Mm, example of some uh, shit that could get better.
1: Better air. I mean, air did get better. Yeah, but it's it's not. But it could still get better. I guess we just—you were just saying how shitty the air is. Clean, better bathroom.
2: The air is the the air is uh, is
1: better now. Yeah, but it could be better. Could it not? It could. Uh, I don't know. There's definitely other stuff they could do to planes to make them better. I'm just
2: saying. Uh, bigger bathrooms would be... Like, taller yeah. ceilings in the bathroom would be great. Better bathrooms.
1: Just better overall bathrooms.
2: Oh, 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 oh. D- it doesn't make that l- that loud, like, whoosh sound when you flush the toilet. I always cover my ears. Call me a pussy. I don't care. It's I'm loud. Call, I'm pussy, don't like, yes. that's, I don't like loud noises.
0: That's so that's weird. weird. It startles me. Good imitation of that noise. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Can you do it
1: again? Whoosh. Whoa. You know, uh, I, I, I don't remember who... Who said this? But I remember somebody said that they thought that when when you're on a plane and you went to the bathroom and it flushed that, it, that the plane just dumped it out. Oh,
2: that's, that's the
1: dumbest thing.
2: Whoever said that <laughs> deserves. I
1: don't remember who it was. It might have been a podcast I was listening to, but somebody said that, and I was like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life." It's um,
2: that's some of the reasons why like planes will take a while to uh, take off. Yeah, because, because they, they have had to empty they had f- all. They have to empty all of that before they go back up in the air.
1: Yeah, it's when you're getting on a plane that just came back from Mexico. You get it? No, because Mexican food makes people poop. Oh, 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 oh. so they Took had to poop there. on the plane. All right, man. You, know, you know, the joke isn't funny if you have to explain it. I hope people listening get that joke.
2: I ate some uh, some sketchy chicken for dinner tonight.
1: Did you? There's nothing more. Two days past the sell by. I'm 23 by. and just started living by myself than eating sketchy chicken. Like that is uh, the perfect explanation the, of I'm past, 23 and just started living alone.
2: Two days past the sell by, but I made a little taco out of it, so it was all, all good and well. But I'm just hoping that, like, like, all right, honest, honest opinion here. If it was actually sketch, how how long would it take to hit me?
1: You would have felt it already, I think.
2: Really? Tonight, I, tonight I had it like latest. I was going say I was going to say so I had it like right around seven, like right after oh, seven. Then never mind. Then uh, I was going to say like nine o'clock, I would start to feel something.
1: I, I'd say if you're going to bed and you feel like if you're if you're like you're like chilling about to go to sleep and you still feel good i think you're in the clear
2: but i have to get my mind off of it because i'm thinking about how like that it was 2 days past the sell by and i'll just make myself sick so it's just like
1: yeah you got definitely got to stop thinking about it. i mean dude all th- we all went to college we all know the struggle sometimes you just either just don't want to go to the grocery store and there's just like only expired chicken and it's like a day or two expired and you're like how expired is this really? And you cook yeah, the chicken We're going to anyway. test the limits. It so. happens.
2: But honestly, that's a good life lesson because then like you'll never do it again. Once you have a bad experience with like something disgusting, you'll never
1: do it again. It's very true. It's very true. I guarantee if you get, I know, I don't think you're going to, but I guarantee if you do get sick from this chicken, you'll never do that ever again.
2: Yeah. I don't think I'm going to get sick from it because it passed the, 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 the infamous smell test just give it a quick whiff and it was like ah sure. and it's, there's no smell so
1: i have a, I have a very important question okay was it a sell-by date or was it an expiration date it was a sell-by oh then you're definitely good then you're I'm definitely so good. good right you Dude, know what's something that is you know what's the I only give like, thing that's I give not good like three good or four past days the, past the sell-by you
2: know what's the only thing in my opinion that i will not consume past the sell-by Milk. That's the only thing I won't consume past the sell by because it, it it gets a weird smell to it.
1: Well, milk is milk is gross anyway. So
2: you don't like milk. Do you like cereal? Mm, I don't eat cereal. Meat cereal.
0: Yeah, sometimes I'll kill a bowl of uh, cinnamon toast crunch.
2: CTC is so good. It's just literally like, I, just
1: sugar. I don't think I've ever like. I don't think I've eaten cereal on a regular basis since I was maybe like five years old. Like, I've never yeah. eaten cereal. Uh, It'd be like top...
0: my, my dad will buy it, and it'll be like, "Yeah, you like this, right?" I'm like, "I haven't <laughs> eaten that in five years." But
1: sure. Top
2: three cereals, not in specific any specific order. CTC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Froot Loop guy. All the Froot Loops taste the same. Do you know that?
1: Yes, they're not flavored; they're just colored. I'm not that retarded. fucked me up when I heard that. Oh, that you're stupid. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know a third. I don't really have three. It's kind of the only two I I used
2: to like. I used to like Frosted Flakes a lot, but my issue with Frosted Flakes is it gets dry so fast. Dry.
1: You have to dry Frosted Flakes are fucking phenomenal. Like I eat dry Frosted Flakes sometimes. Oh, dry cereal is
2: like some of the best snack things you can snack on. It's better than like it's better than chips. It's just sugary chips. Literally, I you want to know the best dry cereal? Let me hear it. My opinion, I think the best dry cereal has to be Captain Crunch.
1: Captain Crunch. I don't think I've ever actually had Captain Crunch. I'll be completely honest. It fucks the roof of your mouth up. I think the best dry cereal is Frosted Flakes.
2: It's probably actually Cinnamon Toast Crunch.
1: I think it's Frosted. I don't think I've ever had Cinnamon Toast Crunch dry. Frosted Cinnamon Toast Flakes dry is another amazing. one
2: that. You know, it's actually a crazy fucking cereal that this country allowed to be put out into the public in the ethos. What's that? It's really fucked up that, they, that cookie crisp is a thing. That's what? just straight up cookies for breakfast.
1: It's just <laughs> well, it's a, that's called fucking America, buddy. Yeah, I
2: know. You wonder why we have, you know, obesity but if you really think about it,
1: all cereal is just sugar for breakfast.
2: Yeah, I've actually started to try to like lean towards like cereal that doesn't have sugar in it, just so I don't feel like a piece of shit eating six bowls of it in the morning. Because if I'm gonna have cereal. There, one bowl doesn't suffice for me. It's it's at least four to five.
1: That's why I don't eat cereal because there's there's no sus there's no substance there. There's nothing. It's just like fucking sugary bread. It's like gross.
2: I made myself a uh, a nice egg sandwich today on a bagel. Ooh. Oh, but I didn't have cheese, so it was missing that oh. that last
1: plain egg. I hate plain eggs like I can only eat oh, eggs I with love cheese plain or eggs. sauce or something I can't eat just like egg, egg I had to listen to this
2: so but I mean it wasn't that bad I did ketchup on a bagel so I did ketchup bacon egg Not a ketchup like, guy. and oh I put um I put some uh what's it called I got uh hash browns I put that Ooh, on it too yeah. so sure like it's so, like the the ketchup substituted the cheese I thought you
1: just had egg on top of bagel no that would, like, that's gross to me. I, I like, like people like going and like get scrambled eggs. Like, I can't do that. Like, I, I can do that. Disgu- I think I can it's do that all dis- the time. Disgusting. Like, Seven it's days so a week,
2: twice on Sunday. I, could I can eat only, scrambled eggs right now.
1: I could only eat eggs if they're drowned in either sauce, meat, like a lot, a lot of bread, <laughs> <drowned in laughs> No, meat. not you, Jake.
2: You know what is? Uh, this is probably a hot take, but. I, um, when I was younger and I used to get like, you know, when you go to IHOP and you get the, um, what do they call it? The, uh, it's like, I think they call it the sampler where you get okay. every fucking thing on the menu. Essentially you, like you two pancakes, get every two eggs. Breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'd throw, so you dump the like, like everyone, obviously you eat the fucking pancakes first cause they're hot. They come out. And you dump a shit ton of syrup on it because you're a fat slob, and then the syrup just gets all over the other food. Eggs and syrup are not that bad of a combo. Like if you've had eggs, just like or syrup drift over to the eggs, you know what I'm talking about. It's not something that
1: you look yeah, after. You don't I, seek I, after it. But very when it much happens. It kind of happens, dude. And you and you, you don't mind it. If you go to to like an IHOP right or or, or any diner and you get. Just pancakes, right? And you get like a side of like bacon or a side of sausage, and you're not dipping in that maple syrup, you have issues. You have issues because breakfast meats with a hint of maple syrup is the closest thing, probably, to crack cocaine. There are some pretty
2: good, like, weird combinations that you can make. Zach and I honestly discovered the most ingenious um, combination – or not combination, but this this is completely going differently from what I was saying. But we discovered that a very we simple discovered. snack last night is just put chips in the microwave.
1: Dude, tortilla chips warmed up are significantly better than tortilla chips cold. Out of the bag. Or room temp.
2: The room temp. Dude, you have to try it. It's so good. I also ate enough food to to feed a a small village of people last night. A small zoo, a small zoo. But um yeah, just f- y- 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 you got to
1: you got to warm up your tortilla chips. Yeah, you, you got to warm up the tortilla chips. You got to. All right. Should we get into a little baseball? Yeah. I, I feel like we should, you know, uh, let's get into a little baseball talk. So, you know, this weekend was a, it was a great, great weekend in the MLB. Like it has been for many weekends of the past. Obviously not. If you're a New York Mets fan and your name is Chris Rodazo, because your team is just God fucking awful, but I don't want to start with the Mets. I want to get you a little warmed up before we get to the Mets talk, because I want to hear your real opinions. I want to start in, uh, in a small town, I don't know if it's a small town of Cincinnati, okay. Ohio. Okay. It's and the city. start of the start. Oh, it's a city. Sorry. Uh <laughs> it's it sounds better if you say small town, though. Okay. And the start of the Ellie De La Cruz era. He is just th- th- like like I can't even like put it into words. He is like he I have in my notes literally Ellie is superhuman. And I don't know if I can put it in any other way than that. He is Superhuman. How far he can hit the ball, how f- hard he can hit the ball, how fast he can run at what, 6'4, 210? And he is putting up the fastest sprint speed, first to third in the season already. Like the fact that this guy came up. And like had so much hype around him. Obviously, there's a lot of guys out there looking for him to be very good. There's probably guys out there looking for the downfall. There's probably a lot of writers out there that like are hoping he stinks so they have something to write about. But he comes out. First game, hit. Was it the first game that he hit the home run? I think no, so. second. Second game, second game. Second game, hits a home run off Noah Syndergaard. Pimps won 460 right center field that was incredible. Then he back comes out again and hits a fucking triple and then he showed he showed like he showed the speed, he showed his arm, he showed his power. He showed everything this weekend and if I'm sitting in Cincinnati, Ohio and I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan, I could not be more excited for the next 10 hope, hopefully 10 years of my fandom because this guy if they lock him up is going to be a staple in Cincinnati baseball for the next generation and we're looking at the next generation of baseball player right here, a fully five-tool player who can really just do it all. Obviously, the strikeouts are going to be there. He is a little bit of a hit-and-miss guy. The hit tool is not, cr- not crazy, so we'll say four-and-a-half-tool player. But mm-hmm. this guy is a, a superhuman. What he's able to do, how fast he's able to do it with the body that he has, is just it's absolutely incredible.
2: Yeah, he is... Uh, he he is, uh, the, the, the definition of a five tool player, uh, to be honest with you, I did not watch his first game, uh, but I did watch, uh, I tuned in right after the, uh, the cock shot that he hit against Noah Syndergaard. It's a moonshot game. It was a moonshot. It actually was hit so high up in the air. I don't know if you heard this, that it was picked up on a local airport's radar.
1: You're, not, I'm, you're You're kidding, right?
2: No, I swear to God, Google that. I didn't even see that. Google that. Google that, and tell me. I'm. I'm. And tell me I'm not lying. I mean, he's 6'5", 200 pounds. He can run. He can hit. He can field. He's literally a five tool player. So so far, twenty two at bats, three sixty four average, one homer, four RBIs, eleven hundred OPS. I know this is a small sample size, and we're not going to freak out about this, but uh, and it's just just six games. But uh, he looks like he's translating really well to the major league game, uh, and he hasn't slowed down at all since coming up from the minor leagues where he did essentially the same exact thing. But for 21 years old, coming right up to the uh, to the bigs. Zach, do you have enough time to win rookie of the year, do you think? I mean, he's going to qualify. If he plays out the rest of the year, he'll qualify on, on, at bats. But um, do you think he'll... Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think he'll qualify. Uh, you saw before, even his first game, he was fourth in NL Rookie of the Year. Uh, the in odds, he was fourth. It was uh, Corbin. Car- I believe it was like Corbin Carroll, Francisco Alvarez, one other person that I'm forgetting, and then it was Ellie De La Cruz right before Kodai Senga. So like like it just shows you the hype around this guy and how how much faith people have in, in him to really compete for this Rookie of the Year award. Um, but to answer your question, I th- I think he definitely has a possibility to do it. I think he has the, the wow factor. He has all the tools that you that you need, you know, to be in the rookie of the year race. Do I think he'll win? No, because I I just that's how highly I think of Corbin Carroll. But I think Ellie is definitely going to make it an interesting run. I wouldn't be surprised if he's second behind Carroll. I mean, uh, obviously Alvarez is out to a great start right now, and, mm-hmm. and but I don't really think that this insane run can sustain, especially from a catcher position. I just think there's too much wear and tear on the body in a 160 game season that it's just a little too much for him to keep up this pace. So I I think Ellie could definitely sneak in that second spot in rookie of the year in the NL. Do I think he'll steal it from Corbin? I, I really don't think it's possible for anyone to steal it from Corbin at this point. I think he's just too good overall. He's shown that he's too good in the field at the plate on the bases altogether. So but I think Ellie can definitely make this an interesting race, and he can, he can, he'll definitely get some votes come rookie of the year voting. I I think that's a that's a definite. He'll definitely have the at bats to do it, and he'll most likely get a good amount of votes.
2: Yeah, he'll he'll um he'll definitely make a run at it. I definitely I'm gonna check what his lo- his line currently is because the NL rookie of the year is gonna be uh it's gonna be a tight race. I don't who would who would win in the AL right now? I mean I know Yoshida is was probably the favorite right Yoshida Gunner Henderson Gunner Henderson was the favorite but uh, he's no shot
1: so Gunner was the favorite in the offseason and that's what everybody was looking to looking towards before the season obviously he was out to really so start he's picked it up since in in the past couple weeks he's really picked it up he's starting to use his power a little bit more and spread the ball across the whole field but right now it's it's kind of a two-man race between Yoshida and Josh Young uh, from the Texas Rangers. Obviously, they've been playing such great ball that it's hard not to give it to him because he's been a huge part of that. But I, I personally think it's Masataki Yoshida's reward to lose in the AL because when you look at a guy who's already played professional baseball for seven, eight years, he's been there. He knows how to sustain his average above, uh, like across a 160 season. He's played that many games in the NPB before. I believe they play a 154-game season over there. So, he knows how to sustain it for a whole season. He's already been there, and and the guy, if you watch him hit, is obviously going to be a three hundred hitter for the entire year. So, I think, really, think it's his award to lose in the AL. But we could see, you know, some things happen.
2: Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the lines right now. So g- give me one. Uh, for some reason they always throw the player awards at the back. I never understood that. I see it.
1: I'm I'm looking at him. Moshita is the favorite right in the AL. So
2: yep, and then in the NL, it's it's Corbin Carroll minus three hundred and Dela Cruz six games, Zach. Six games plus seven hundred. That is crazy. It it's, it's
1: nuts. It, it, he he is so before the season not before the season, before he has played his first game, he was fourth. Already fourth. Everybody was saying he's already better than he's already got better odds than Bobby Miller and Yuri Perez, James Altman, Kodai Sanga, Brett Beatty. He's already got better odds than all these guys. Then he plays six games and now he already has better odds than Matt McClain and Francisco Alvarez as well. Like that, that's just a testament to how good this guy can be. Like his ceiling is so, so high because of the type of player he is, because he is that five to a player that can go out there and hit 35 home runs and steal 30. Like we could be looking at our first 40, 40 guy in LA de la Cruz. Like I believe he can hit that many home runs and I can believe he can steal that many bases. Like this is going to be hope. Hopefully if everything turns out the right way, this is going to be a generational player.
2: Yeah, this, this, this could be a generational player. And especially for the reds, this could be a really interesting player to bring up because the reds haven't had an exciting player in a long time. A long time? <laughs> Maybe since Ken Griffey ended his career in Cincinnati. Like, I'm, being, I'm not trying to be a dick here. I'm being serious. No, you're
1: 100%. Because but... uh, what have they had since then, really? Like, Joey Votto. But, like, that's not an exciting Todd player. want Frazier
2: won, won the home run derby in Cincinnati. That was pretty cool. Like, that,
1: the, this isn't people that brings people to the ballpark. Like, Ellie De La Cruz has significantly risen the attendance at Cincinnati Reds games. More people want to go see this guy play because it's crazy the things that he's done. With, I agree with you. They basically haven't seen anything in Cincinnati like this since Ken Griffey.
2: Yeah, seriously, this is uh, this is probably the most star power that they've had there in a while. Honestly, probably since Yasiel Puig got traded over there for about three weeks and then called it a career. But it's uh, it's it seems like it's a fun time to be a Reds fan. Like you look around, like you have Hunter Green locked up. You got De La Cruz coming up now, and he looks like he's legit. Uh, Jonathan India slides in he's I mean they could have a legitimate shot at having two rookie of the years in the past four seasons
1: a hundred percent and let me tell you something if you're sitting out there and you're listening to this podcast and you're a Cincinnati Reds fan give yourself a fucking pat on the back a high five shake your own hand because you have some really fun baseball coming around to you so like you have those insane guys that just give you highlight after highlight, like Hunter Green and like L.A. De La Cruz, and then you have such solid prospects that have come up and shown that they can be great. Matt McLean has been one of the best rookies this year. If it, like I know he's he's on the Red, so not a lot of people are looking at him, but if you look at the, the fucking statistics, this guy has come up and just been incredible, which is why they were so hesitant on bringing Ellie up because Matt McClain was playing a great shortstop for them. And then when you look at the rotation and you have Hunter Green throwing 103 at the, at the start of your rotation and you back that up with Lodolo, who while hurt is going to come back and it's going to be great. And Graham Ashcraft, who got to a great start this season and has slowed down since, but these are great young guys that the Cincinnati Reds are going to build around for years to come. And this is a team in the next couple of years that we should be looking at for the NL central crown, because obviously that's a, that's a division that we talk about a lot. It's really up for grabs. Nobody is cementing themselves as we're going to win the NL central every fucking year. So I think the Cincinnati reds could be a really interesting team come, you know, 2025,
2: 2026. Yeah, it's definitely on the table. They're, uh, they're another team where it's, it's, they have a small payroll, but I mean they've 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 made some trades in the past, so and, and they've been competitive in like the last decade. So people still forget that. The the Reds made the wild card. I can remember they're making the wild card, I think it was like 2014, 2015, when they had Johnny Cueto shook on the mound in Pittsburgh.
1: A hundred percent. So and, like uh,
2: they need to start being competitive again, and I don't think it's out of the question that they do that in the next three years.
1: Agreed. And you know, I think this this whole thing around the Reds with having such a young core right now to bring up brings up the question: like, six games into his career, like, do you think the Reds think about locking this guy up already and and uh, say fuck the arbitration? I don't think it's just, the
2: worst idea, and just get a
1: pre arb deal done, especially in a game in the game of baseball where so recently we've been seeing a lot of pre arb deals, a lot of guys a lot of general managers and owners of teams have been locking their young guys up early. Like we saw it this year with Corbin Carroll. We saw it last year with Julio Rodriguez. We've been seeing a lot of young guys getting locked up early pre-arbitration. If I'm the Cincinnati Reds, I'm looking to lock Ellie up. Like I understand it's six games and so many things can go wrong, but I think if you do it early enough, you can get him at a discount because if he's as good as you think he's going to be, this eventually is going to turn into a 30 million dollar player. If you can get him when he's in the prime of he should be making 30 but you're paying him 20, this is a bargain. So, it's kind of risk versus reward here for the Reds, but if I'm the Reds, I'm looking to lock him up soon.
2: Yeah, I mean it's uh, like I said it's not the worst thing to ever have. It's uh you could uh you could easily easily lose a guy like that come you are come, come free agency and free agency got cut down by a few years now. I'm pretty sure. Right. With the whole new CBA. So yes, it did. These players are getting paid faster and, uh, he's going to be worth a lot if he keeps playing like this. So, uh, it might not be the worst idea. And they've already, we've already seen that the front office wants to lock up young talent. They've done that with Hunter green. So it's not crazy to say that they could do that with Dela Cruz.
1: Absolutely. and, you know, moving on to a uh, to a uh, uh, another team, which is kind of in a different spot than the Reds, obviously, but it's a team I definitely want to talk about because this is a team that is is really on the fringe of playoff sell buy. What should we do right now? And that's the Cleveland Guardians. You know, I really don't understand what's going on in Cleveland because you look at the standings and they're a game and a half back of the AL Central. The Minnesota Twins leading that leading that division, and you look at game and a half back and you're like, why on earth would this team do anything besides buy at the deadline, get a get another pitcher, get another bat? Why would they not buy if they're going to be in the playoff picture? But then you look at their record and see that they're what two, three games under 500. And you look at the lineup and you look at how they've been playing. And it's just, it's not a playoff team. And since obviously the trade deadline and, and the all-star break and the mid season, everything is coming up. It's going to sneak up on us. We obviously have to talk about it. There's been a lot of talk out there about a possible trade for Shane Bieber and, what I can like, what I had to ask you, does is why the hell would a team that's one and a half games out of the playoffs, sixty-five games into the year, why would they be shopping their ace pitcher?
2: Yeah, uh, it's a tough question for sure. I think there's uh, it's not, there's a lot of different ways you could view this. I mean, it's, it's not like Bieber is having a a bad year. Uh, three three point two nine ERA. Uh, it's a one point two whip. I I think it's a, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think the team may not be willing to pay him. Uh, they probably feel like he's overvalued, and I think the market honestly values him as overvalued because there's been a lot of reports coming out that Bieber, if if they decide to put him on the trade block, uh, would any team would likely not match what Cleveland was looking for uh, yep. for a talent like Bieber. So this becomes a weird scenario now, where it's is—is uh, is this a contract year for Bieber?
1: No, I—I'm I, pretty sure he has one more year
2: after this one on his contract. Let's see here. But like he—he—he's arbitration next year, 25. He's a unrestricted free agent, but so and that'll be in his age 30 season. So it's just like uh, it's such a weird spot to put the Guardians in because. There's rumors now out there that you want to shop the guy around, so it it almost makes you think like what, why, like why, why would you want to shop him around? Is there something that you don't like? Does he not fit into the culture anymore? Is it a Francona thing? Like what what's going on here?
1: Absolutely, And, and like you know, I understand if the if the Guardians were 31 and 34 as they are now. And they were 10 games back that I understood. Like if they're in the AL East, I understand. Well, maybe they,
2: you- maybe they feel as though they're playing to their potential right now. And maybe that they have to, uh,
1: maybe, but this is a team that, that made the playoffs. This is a team that won the AL central last year with what? 90, 92 wins. Like this is a team and they brought everyone back and they added Josh bell. Like this is the same team. It's the same pitching. It's pr- it's, it's pretty much all the same. Just adding Josh bell, That's why I don't understand. Like, when if you're Cleveland and you're sitting there and you're, you're saying, you know, we got to get this Bieber guy out of here. Like, I feel like there's been a lot of talk about who is going to be available at the deadline. What pitchers are going to be available? Who are the best available pitchers? And the name that keeps coming up is Shane Bieber. And sitting at a game and a half behind Minnesota, you have a three game lead on the White Sox right behind you. This is. So up for the taking for Cleveland. If I'm then hit my mic. If I'm them, I'm not moving off of Shane Bieber. That doesn't make any sense to me. Unless you're gonna get a crazy haul for Bieber. And it's also not like the the Guardians, I was gonna say Indians, excuse me, don't cancel me. It's not like the Guardians have a failing uh farm system. They have a top ten system right now. So it's not like they need to go crazy on getting a lot of prospects. It's not like they're the one of the bottom five teams in, in farm system. They have a top 10 system. So they don't need to load up on prospects. They need Shane Bieber to lead that rotation because right now Tristan McKenzie just came back from injury. You really don't know what you're going to get there. And Logan Allen has shown that he can be a very, very serviceable MLB pitcher. He's been very good since he's come up. Mm-hmm. but Cal Quantrill is having one of the worst years of his career. And that's a guy who you could lock in as your number three last year and say, this guy is going to go out, throw 180 innings and have a three, five to three, ERA. And he's going to be our number three. You don't have that this year. So to give up Bieber as well, you're basically telling Cleveland fans that, yep, we gave it our all for the first 60 games. We're done. Or the first 80 games. We're done. We, we, we tried. You're not actually trying. I say keep Bieber and make a fucking move.
2: Yeah, I mean like I like like I said it's it's uh I, I don't know. It's I personally think if they're if they're going out and shopping their race, I think they feel that last year might have been an outlier and maybe they think that the team is playing to its potential right now and maybe they feel that as though That they need to reload the farm system and build up through that way. It's just, uh, it's actually the smarter time to deal Bieber now than it would be a year from now because uh, teams would view him as a rental next year. If this is what the marketplace is valuing him as now, uh, a year from now will not be any better.
1: You got a good point there. Uh, That's a good point that uh, now is probably when you're going to outside of obviously a couple like 2020 this this is when you're going to get the best value out of bieber you're not going to get any he's not going to get any more valuable as time goes on so if you don't see this guy in your you know five to seven year future then i understand shopping him but it's just an interesting situation in cleveland and you know cleveland's in a weird spot but i really hope they can pull it out because i just think minnesota's not good
2: Yeah. uh, I don't think Minnesota is good either. I think there's a lot of holes in their team. Obviously we've seen that Correa, he's still playing, but there's something going on with his foot, ankle, whatever the hell it might be. So uh, I I don't, I don't trust all of that. So I'm out on the twins.
1: hundred percent. And we talk about Cleveland as a team that, that needs to buy at the deadline. And another team that's probably going to need to buy at the deadline is, is the New York Yankees. And right now the yankees are are in such a weird spot without aaron judge because and and you know aaron judge has been hurt for about a week now and i, I don't really think we've talked about it yet and it's just it's we we just keep coming back to the same thing that me and you and all of us and like every person who knows about baseball has been saying you take aaron judge out of this fucking lineup and there's nothing there and it's a fact. Aaron judge has been hurt for a week and obviously he was hurt at the beginning of the year as well. And the team was still performing to a, uh, an okay standard. Yeah. to degree. this team cannot survive 160 games without Aaron judge, this team, like they just, the rivalry series just happened this past week and they played the Boston Red Sox. Obviously I watched every single game and as a Red Sox fan, I am sitting here saying that the Yankees would have won three of three. They would have swept the Red Sox if Aaron Judge was in the lineup. There's no question. The Red Sox play terrible baseball, and the Yankees let him get away with it. And that's just what the Yankees baseball is without Aaron Judge. They don't have that guy to just be like, go, we need a hit. Get us a hit. Go, we need a run. Get us a run. We need a big play. Get us a big... like." That's what Aaron Judge does. That's what he does for the Yankees. And they feed off of his energy. And when he's playing, the team just plays better around him. Anthony Rizzo is in the worst stretch of his career. The worst, he, I think he's 0 for his last 28. Like, that is horrible. That's pretty bad. This team needs Aaron Judge. And from what I've seen, they're not going to get him back as quickly as they think. This toe thing is actually slightly more serious than people think it's not just a stub toe he slammed his fucking foot into the cement in la trying to catch that ball at the fence great catch absolutely i love the effort but he slammed the toe and they, they have no timetable for him they don't know anything until the swelling goes down and they can figure it out but there is no timetable right now for judge in my opinion i'm thinking they're looking at 3 weeks at the minimum, but it honestly could be months. Because these are the small nagging things that we talk about a lot on these MLB players where they have these like a blister, turf t- like like these just small like obviously turf toe actually a hurt really hurts really bad and it sucks, but like we see guys go down for 2 weeks with a blister or something like that. It's just these small nagging injuries that MLB players have I feel like all the time. That sometimes are the biggest ones. It's not the huge torn ACLs, or, or it's either Tommy John or it's fucking something so small. And this could hurt the Yankees for months.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, t- totally, totally agree. The Yankees—they're uh, not the same team without Judge on the field. We've seen that in the past few weeks. It, it is not. Uh, this this team is a very Judge reliant team. I go back to that series in Seattle where uh, Judge hit two two home runs and robbed a homer i mean like literally just carried the team on his back it's uh it's not the same team without him on the field and the yankees need him back as soon as possible because this gap between tampa is now growing tampa doesn't lose they're not losing they never lose
1: I thought I, I, you know, I I really, really thought that this weekend was going to be like a slap in the face for Tampa, and and Texas was kind of going to smack them around. And Tampa just came out, took two out of three from Texas, like it was absolutely nothing. And like Isaac Paredes had two home runs in a game. Like they just find the dumbest ways to win, and it works. And I was wrong. I thought Texas would come out and smack them around, and they just didn't.
2: Yeah, uh, Texas looked beatable. They looked beatable and they looked like they were the worst of the two teams. Tampa Bay is without a doubt, without a doubt in my mind, the best team in the league this year. And to be honest with you, Zach, I know this doesn't happen a lot in baseball. This is, this is typically more of a different sport kind of thing. I think if there's any year for Tampa to do it, it's this year.
1: I agree with you, dude. Like, we've been we've been saying this since they got out to the hot start like this is the year you make a move this is the year that you shut everybody up about being a small market team and you go and you make a huge fucking trade if not this year then then they then literally they'll never do it if not this year ne- they are 48 and 20 48 yeah. and 20 Remember last year, everybody was talking about "Holy shit, the Yankees historic." They're so fucking historic. The Rays are saying to the Yankees of last year, "Fuck you, we are way more historic." Forty-eight and twenty, and this team has no signs of slowing down. And they also
2: get—they also get the, uh, a quarter of the press coverage that the Yankees did last year.
1: Exa- exactly. Exactly. That, That—that's—it's a hundred percent fake news, point. yo. It's it, the the Rays are playing like. Obviously I hate the Rays so much cuz AL East but you have to just sit here and be like respect for playing great baseball dude like they're ju- they're just playing insane baseball. I still don't think it's it's sustainable for 162 and the playoffs. I just don't because they have too many guys overachieving. But you have to sit here and just respect the great play. Like they pitch better than anyone, they hit better than everyone, they steal the bases better than everyone they're just the best overall team right now. And until somebody is going to prove us otherwise, we thought that might be the Texas Rangers. Clearly not. But right now, I think if, if we're looking at a team to try to outmatch the Rays, we're looking at the Braves and maybe the Diamondbacks right now, because those are some of the hottest teams in baseball. Obviously, you know, the Braves have their struggles and the Diamondbacks have their weaknesses. But I think right now, when you're looking at, the whole MLB; those are the only two teams that I see putting up real fights against the Rays right now, aside from AL East teams like the Yankees, who know the Rays so well.
2: Do you? Do you have a particular? I know. I know we talked about this last time, but do you think
1: it could be possible, Shane Bieber, maybe Tampa Bay? I think it's definitely possible. Uh, I I think if I'm the Rays, I'm 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 looking for a bigger splash, especially because of that's a pretty big splash though. It is, but like, but it, my my thing with the Rays is that because their system is so good that they can go out and they can trade for Juan Soto, like like the, they can go out and make such a bigger splash than Bieber, especially because people are valuing Bieber so low right now. Like I think that's a move that they could make and that would definitely help them but i I want to see the Rays make a make a way bigger move than that I hear you
2: yeah but I do uh, think
1: I do think that's a move that could definitely help them and something that they could a hundred percent do and not feel even a little bit
2: yeah yeah I, I don't think they would um I don't think they'd have to cough up a lot of uh pieces for beaver and they have the they have the assets to go out and do it
1: Absolutely. So, you know, moving from a team who has a chance, like the Rays, to
2: don't say it, don't say
1: it, a sad, 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 sad sack of shit of a team in the New York sad story. It's a
2: sad story, New York. If you didn't have Luke Voigt on your bingo card for twenty twenty three Mets late season additions, uh, I feel sorry for you uh, because. I don't know how I didn't see this coming.
1: Dude, they are so bad. It's like – and not having Alonzo is killing them. Killing them. The only thing going good for the Mets this year got hurt. And thank God it's not a huge injury and he'll be back. But the Mets are falling, dude. And they're now nine and a half back from Atlanta. And Philly overtook them in the rankings this, this past weekend. You know, now they're one and a half back from third place. Like yeah, this is not the team that we thought yeah. was gonna come out here. And no. Let's hear those woes, dude. Be, the people want to hear the Mets woes. Let's Whoa, hear it.
2: like the, the the issue with it is is I don't even know where to start here. So the bullpen sucks. The bullpen is awful. That that needs to be addressed fast i mean tommy hunter steve no good suck uh just random morons that come out of the pen every night is is bad we need we need to stop enough with that the rotation is i don't even know at this rate i mean we talked about it during the atlanta series scherzer old verlander washed Sangha is our ace is our ace now um but even he has has looked like he can give up a decent amount of shit in the past few weeks so he can't be trusted at all Let me turn to the offense which is essentially either we score first and we win or we don't and we lose uh Brandon Nimmo's kind of doing his thing you know he just runs to first base whenever the fuck he you know does anything in, in life and then Jeff McNeil who is not typically he's, I mean, he's doing Jeff McNeil things he's hitting like 280 but I'm used to seeing him hit like 315 so that's a that's a downgrade, and then Buck Showalter just continually doesn't know how to field the baseball team. He uh, will play rookies some nights, sit them the next. Not getting guys like Beatty, Alvarez, and uh, Vientos consistent at bats. So it's it's a whole conglomerate of shit right now for the Mets, and it's one thing after the other. Cohen came out earlier this week and said, "We're not blowing up the roster. We're not making any drastic changes to the team." Which I said to Zach would be a, would be a foolish move to do, which is just be blow up everything and just a panic move. It's panic mode. So, um, look, we, someone's got to wear the Kevlar vest. And I think it's Steve right now. He's taking shots from everyone. Uh, I know he's he's more pissed than any fan probably is, considering he spent three hundred and thirty million dollars on, on a payroll that is six games under 500, five or six games under five hundred now. But um, it's uh, it it's something's got to start. A click soon. There's been reports all week of David Stearns, the uh, Milwaukee's Brewers president of baseball operations, coming over to New York next year, following his tenure with the Brewers. That's, I mean, I've seen those reports for years that that the Mets and him have always been connected. So, I mean, look, it would be nice to have a director of baseball ops. Currently, we only have Epler right now, who I don't think is a good general manager. I think the only reason we're holding on to him is because he has a connection with Otani. So. Nothing nothing is really good right now. So nothing really to report over here. Major overly overly excited about uh getting Alonzo back in this lineup because like you said, it's uh it's a pretty shitty team without Alonzo in the lineup and uh Luke Voigt. Hold on to your fucking chairs, everybody. Coming back to New York. Yeah the second ex Yankee to come join the Mets this year
1: it's it's just rough for the mets right now it, it really is you just the mets just really don't have anyone outside of alonzo performing either to their potential or past their potential everyone else is straight dog shit this year and it's really sad to say cuz like we repeat all the fucking time this was a 101 win team last year and the lineup has not changed aside from adding rookies. The lineup has not changed. They did not add any, anybody in free agency. Nothing happened. They didn't lose anybody in free agency. Like this is the exact same lineup. It's just not hitting. And, When when you talk about the lineup, I think it all starts with Francisco Lindor and the year he's had so far, batting 213, 216. That's just not Francisco Lindor. That's not what we're used to. That's not who he is. That's not who he should be. There's something clearly wrong there. I have no clue what it is, but the guy has never hit this bad in his career. Thank God the Mets have Alonzo because if they did not, then we would be looking really deep in the dumps for the Mets. And they have dug themselves – in quite a hole now nine and a half back they are tied with the cincinnati reds for the wild card right now and when you look at the mets like yeah they're tied for the reds for the wild card but they're smack in the middle like they have four teams worse than them and four teams better than them and then the three division winners that is terrible for the New York Mets. That is not what this team is built for. That is not what this team does. And, you know, I, I really feel for you, Daz. I really do. When you say nothing is ever good, I am starting to really understand that.
2: Yeah, nothing really is ever good. And uh it, it continues to be a painful pit of misery and hell over here. So check in with me on Thursday when I – uh after three days of sitting in the shower crying.
1: <laughs> yeah, the poor Mets. So we should we should never talk about the Mets ever again. Um,
2: no, we should, just when they're doing When they're lot. winning,
1: yeah. So this season obviously has been super weird so far, and there's a lot of teams in the offseason that we had a lot of like, high hopes for. And we thought these teams were going to take off this year. We were really looking forward to these specific teams, and these three teams are teams that I'm, I, I am really, really starting to lose faith in. Okay. Number one is the St. Louis Cardinals. I am really starting to lose faith in the faith in St. Louis Cardinals because when you look at the standings. Obviously, they're playing really bad baseball, and they got out to playing really bad baseball. But the problem is is that everyone in the division has been playing the same amount of bad baseball for the past two weeks. So the Cardinals have not risen. They have not fallen. They are still last. They are still eight games back. And I feel so terrible about the Cardinals right now. There's nothing to look forward to. They just put Ryan Helsley on the, on the injured list. So Giovanni Gallegos is going to take over in the ninth. I don't know. This team is a team that I was really excited for in the off season. I thought, obviously, the pitching was not there, but I thought this lineup was one of the best, if not the best, in the entire league, fielding and hitting. But they're just underperforming, and they are the number one team on my losing faith list.
2: Yeah, they and they're a pretty easy team to lose faith in. This team had some high aspirations going after... Wilson Contreras in the offseason filling that gap that uh, Yadier Molina left just weeks prior. And uh, the team has not fulfilled what we had had possibly hoped that they could be. And this doesn't really come as a surprise to me. I had been saying all along that I didn't think they had
1: pitching, and it's really showing right now. 100%. And that was our number one concern, and it's rearing its ugly head. The two other teams, one of them is the team that I was the most excited for. And the other team is the team that I think the baseball world was most excited for. The team that I was most excited for was the Seattle Mariners. I was so excited for this team. I thought this was their year that they were really going to hunker down and and you know end the curse and fucking go out there and win a championship. And they have just not been the same team of last year. Obviously, losing Robbie Ray really hurts, but Luis Castillo has not had that great of a year. You know, Kirby's had an okay year, and Gilbert's been very good. But when you look at the lineup, that's where this team is really struggling. You know, Julio Rodriguez last year went on a crazy run, and he looked great. He looked like a generational player, and he just doesn't look like the same player as last year. And they're not getting help from the guys that they got help from last year, like Ty France. And you lose Mm. Mitch Haniger to the Giants, but... You add Teoscar Hernandez, and he's just fucking striking out every game, two times a game, three times a game. He's just – the guy cannot stop striking out. And when you have these average players like Colton Wong and J.P. Crawford, there's only so much that those guys can do. You need your star players to show up, and it's just not happening in Seattle right now. And this is one of the teams that I'm really the – saddest about because I was so high on them in the offseason and they just disappointed me so far. Yeah, they're a super disappointing
2: team. I think a lot of people didn't think they could win the West, but I think it, it was a, at least a thought that they could be competitive in it and it, they haven't shown to be competitive so far. Um, And it's just like, do you think now looking back to that
1: Luis Castillo trade was not a great move for them? I mean, I, I think we still have a couple more years to like, like they signed him to an extension when they traded for him. So he's there for another five years, I believe. So uh, talk to me again in in maybe a year, but right now it's not looking that great because they gave up a, Good amount of prospects. They gave up a, a little bit of their future to get Luis Castillo, and right. yes, he he's been serviceable, but he hasn't been that Luis Castillo ace that they need and that they had when they got him last year.
2: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tricky it's a tricky point right now for the for the for the franchise cause it's like what do you do when you break a playoff spell, but now you you kind of look like you're falling back into one.
1: It, it's a confusing time and another confusing time. In another city that obviously all of baseball fans were so excited for this year in San Diego. I am losing so much faith in San Diego at 31 and 34, nine games back from the Diamondbacks right now. They just don't look like the team that was put on paper. Like this offseason, everyone was so excited for this team. And me and you were a little skeptical because we brought up the point of, you can only have so many fucking All-Stars. Your bottom four or five guys got to produce for you to win a lot of games. And that's just not happening for San Diego right now. And their All-Stars aren't performing like All-Stars outside of Juan Soto and Tatis. Machado's batting like 250. Bogarts is batting like 250. I mean, Machado could have won MVP last year, and he's out to a terrible start. He had that the, the wrist hand injury, whatever it was, but he's back now and just – he just doesn't look like the same guy as last year. Bogarts, yeah, first year he's got to settle in, but he settled in in the beginning, and he's slowed down significantly since the end of May, or, or uh, excuse me, the end of April. So, the Padres are 100 on my one of mo- one of the teams I'm losing faith in because at 31 and 34, they find themselves, you know, just ahead of the Mets in the wild card, just ahead of, this, of Cincinnati and the Mets. Like They're two back. They're definitely not winning this division because no. Arizona or L.A. are taking this division. And the wild card's going to be tough to get after. they got to hope some team starts skidding and they start playing way better baseball. But for a team with as much hype as San Diego had, they're not living up to any of it. Not living up to the hype at all. And this is a team,
2: we've been talking about this for a long time now, has a lot of big decisions to make for their future their franchise now in the coming months. So uh, we said it was World Series or Bust, and it looks Bust as of now in, in Slam Diego.
1: Yeah, it, it, it definitely looks like Bust right now, and it's sad to see that they spent all this money and they got pretty much nothing out of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, they got a wild card game out of it.
1: Congratulations. Uh, that's true. All right, so uh, should we get into some picks, maybe? I'll get into some picks. Okay.
2: Powered by Riverside.
1: All right, we got picks for Tuesday, June thirteenth. I will actually start us off here, and it, in uh, in remembrance and in lovingness of my friend Dawes, I don't know why I said remembrance—you're not dead—but in lovingness of my friend Dawes, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the New York Mets yeah. subway series going up against the Yankees. It's Scherzer against Severino in Queens at City Field, and. I think this is the perfect time for the Mets to turn it the fuck on. You know, we've talked about in in length about how this Yankees team is not the same without Aaron Judge. They will not have Aaron Judge for this series. I like the pitching matchup for the Mets with their ace. Shows are out there. Sevy, obviously, out to a tough year this year for the Yankees. So I'm going to take the Mets in this one. I got great confidence in those boys in Queens, and let's see what happens.
2: I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm taking the money line at minus 140. I don't love the value, but I like Scherzer on the mound, and I like them against a struggling t- Yankees team who really can't perform without Judge on the field, and Severino, who has a 5.75 ERA since coming back off the injured list. I'm going with the Mets tomorrow night. Good pick. Uh,
0: I have lost two in a row, so we're going to stick with what works. Orioles, Blue Jays, over 8.5. <laughs> Lock Good pick. It in. I, I also sick. have a fun, fun stat. Um, last week was the first week, or last episode was the first episode. We were all at 50% or above for all for total picks.
1: Wow. I, I'm not going to – I do feel like I've turned it on recently. Am I hot? I feel like I'm hot.
0: You've won three in a row, four out of your last five. I'm nice.
1: What, what am Daz I at right is, now?
0: Dawes is 30 and 15. He's won six out of his last seven. No, I'm out of his last 11 wow And you if hot jake hot? Uh, i'm i'm 0 and two to my last two but then i was on a seven game heater so I people think aren't talking
1: on enough about how i'm 30 and 15 yeah that's actually kind of nuts um <laughs> jake since you have that sheet open do you mind scrolling over to the sunday night picks because i'm pretty sure me and doz are making a comeback
0: you are, you are. I'll, I'll give you the records and standings now. In last place, still Dawes at three and eight. In second to last place, Zach at four and seven. And in first place, me at five and six. So it's one game between each of us. And Dawes only two games back
1: after that horrid start when he well was he zero 4 four zero and five couldn't fucking get a pick right.
0: Oh and yeah seven he was 0-7. oh my
1: god Dawes.
2: Yeah, zero and seven was bad. Thank God you turned that around. But I, but I'm slowly starting to turn it around. This week is Red Sox. Who did I have? In, did I have the Yankees last night? No, we had the Red yeah, Sox. Got- oh, we had the Red Sox.
0: Yeah. So you guys won. You guys both won. And then this week we already have picks. And me and Dawes have Yankees, and Zach is Red Sox.
2: Oof.
0: We can't lose two Sunday night games in a row. You
1: absolutely can, especially when you probably won't have Judge again. Yeah, let's fucking go. Red Sox playing right now. Sorry. Uh, Okay, uh, roulette. Numbers. 22. 18.
0: We're going to go 36.
1: You should really keep your mic uh, unmuted, Jake. I know. I got to get ready for that. So what we got? Twenty two, eighteen, and thirty six. All right, yeah. here we go. We are loading the roulette. Play. We're playing. Twenty two, eighteen, and thirty six. Ah, thirty six. Okay. We'll be spinning in five seconds. Everybody get ready. So many
0: songs in the radio right now they're just been
1: stamped I'm ready. And yeah, we're Justin, spinning like fucking like crazy, crazy. crazy. We're spinning, we're spinning, we're spinning. Give me the give me the give me the give me the better view. Is, give, me there the it view is. give me the view. Give me the view. Give
2: me the view. Give me the view. Give me the view. Give me the view. We're spinning. We're still
1: spinning. We're still spinning. Something. We're still spinning. We're still spinning. Something. We're still spinning spinning. Give
2: me something. Give me something. Give me something. Twenty nine damn it. <sighs> did you die before you see the Yankees win 29 World Series? Ooh.
1: Yes.
0: No.
1: Yep. I'm telling you.
0: Between – uh, you, no
1: you know what? I, I, I know we're at an hour and we did everything already, but I, I just need to say this. I always wonder, like, who's going to be the dynasty when I'm, like, 80 years old? Like, are the uh, Reds going to be, like, wrapping up, like, a 20-year playoff run?
0: Or is it still going to be like
2: Yankees? I think it's still going to be the Yankees. Yeah,
0: big market.
2: Yeah, Teens. the team players are always going to come to New York. They'll never want to go to Cincinnati. No offense.
1: Yeah, but like by then, you never know. New York, It'd be could like be
0: Miami, blown, be blown up like a big market. Miami's
1: going to yeah. be underwater by then, Jake. It's true. It's true. Just a question I had. All right, so uh, thanks everybody for listening to today's episode of the Talk Off. We will see everybody this Friday for another episode. And we hope you have a great week. Enjoy work, even though I know everybody won't because I don't. And we will see you guys on Friday. We love you guys.